listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Again, everybody, welcome to episode number one one four of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, and I'm joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, how's that OnlyFans account coming? <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Uh, I'm not making much money, and I, I, I have no idea why. <laughs> well, it's all about content these days. Yeah, that's what, yeah. The, that's what the kiddos say. You just that's gotta, you know, you gotta put yourself out there. Let the people decide. <laughs> to people say, okay, well, <laughs> in all seriousness, I don't think that'd be wise for me to ever try something like that. <laughs> well, but I'm, you know, this this economy, you do what you got to do, right? We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, Brandon right. Jaggers is not with us just yet. He'll be along shortly. I think he got tied up at work or something like that, so he'll be along a little bit later. But Alan, how you doing, brother? I've been off work all week. Uh, if you know anything about uh, the auto business, we are shut down this week. We don't work this week. I've already taken the family vacation for the year. So it's this chore week. I'm getting some shit done around the house and I'm sick of painting, but it needed to be done. So I'm taking a break to hang with you fine folks. Painting sucks, off. as everyone knows. I've been off work too, uh, but not yeah. by choice, uh, mainly because uh, mortgage rates are out the roof. And no one's buying houses, right? And no one's, well, they're buying, they're trying to buy houses, but they're too expensive. So, yeah. And, well, I, I make cars and there's not enough cars out there and no one can afford cars. No one can afford used cars and uh, there's no parts. I don't know. You know. There's a lot of stories about that. But uh, again, I don't harp on this is a horse racing podcast, but we're not making many cars and uh, we, sh- we should be making tons and tons of cars. So you make of that what you will. None of cars, none of houses, none of horses. I know. Yeah, we could go on and on. I mean, the, the problems, there are problems with horse racing, but there are problems much deeper going on in the country right now than just horse racing. The horse racing has its its share, but uh, we try to stay positive, correct? That's exactly right. So uh, speaking of horse racing, let's get right into it. Let's do a roll call of yes. all of our uh, previous guests that have that we know of that have won races or, or done something particularly well. Uh, today, we recorded this on Thursday at Saratoga. Paul McEntee won a maiden special weight at Saratoga with Jeremy's Jet, a horse he talked about uh, on this pod, this very pod, uh, several months ago. And this horse broke his maiden in start number five. He won easily, probably seven or eight lengths, maybe more. Uh, it was an outstanding performance. You know, if you listen to this podcast, and we're not trying to tell you, but the people that we have on, they'll tell you who their good runners are, and every damn one of them, have come through uh, at one time or another. And he told us about Jeremy's jet that being incredibly fast. That horse has been somewhat unfortunate to this point because he's either had a little bit of gate trouble or got, I remember last week I cooked in a massive speed duel with another incredibly fast Tom Amos horse. It was just a matter of time for this horse cleared off. He did today under Dylan Davis and just dominated that field. There's more to come from Jeremy's jet. Paul McEntee's had a good year. We loved him as a guest. He was a lot of fun. I would, recommend anybody have him on their show uh look forward to have him on in the future but jeremy there's more to come with jeremy's jet we, can, just just love seeing him get that win at the spa right it, it didn't quite work out at churchill he ran a lot of good races but that means 
the good thing is you get to go up Saratoga and get that win. So I can only imagine what that feels like. Well, he took advantage of that condition too. It was one of those uh, maiden auction races where the, yes. uh, it was limited to horses that it had sold at auction for $45,000 or less. So he took advantage of that and won easily. And now we're off to the next start. Maybe, maybe he ships back to Ellis Park to run in the juvenile. In yeah, and I'll tell you something weeks. else. You talk about those maiden auction races. Uh, those are really good. Right? You know who you, you know who did not win his maiden auction races last fall, but all of a sudden is now in the CCA Oaks. Butterbean. Do you remember Butterbean from McPeak? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but try those. He ran into a couple. Just a couple things worked out. He couldn't get it together in those maiden auction races. Lo and behold, this horse comes out and breaks his maiden at Churchill Beach in a in a in a full maiden special weight. Wins a couple of stakes races at Perry Meadows in just dominating fashion. Now he's got a chance in a in a I guess you'd call it a grade one of the CC Oaks, but uh, there's no reason he can't hit the board there. Also, we sound like a broken record, but Michelle Lovell won a stake at Colonial Downs with the almost millionaires change mm-hmm. of control. And then a day later, she won an allowance race with Margie's Kitchen, who was ridden by another previous podcast guest, Jack Gilligan. Yes, we've discussed all these horses at length. And uh, if you're sick of hearing it, I would turn it off right now for a couple minutes because we're going to do it again. Change of control. I thought it was a dominating performance. Colby Hernandez actually gave the horse a perfect ride at Colonial. Horse now approaching a million dollars. Hopefully there's another start or two in the barrel for change of control because I know she's going to be retired at the end of the year and become a mama. Uh, but, again, she just keeps winning. Margie's Kitchen Margie's Kitchen may be taking that mantle, the change of control or or just might uh, leave down the road because Margie's Kitchen is a very good racehorse. We talked about it on here. We talked about it with Jack Gilligan. That horse went as easy as could be, and there's bright, bright, bright times ahead for that one too. Just might didn't break that well the other day. Uh, just might's knocking on the door of a million dollars too. He'll get there. He'll get there. Declan Cannon, another previous guest, is going to Del Mar. Del Mar opens on Friday, and I saw that he had at least one mount for Jack Sisterson, and uh, I. I think uh yeah he might uh he might make some noise out in california hope so he's starting to really get revved up and again coming back from injury you like seeing these people a big believer and these guys coming back from injury uh start to get their groove and all that that hard work you put in when nobody was watching and you were back there by yourself or whatever it starts to pay off and now he's out in california and hopefully get some live mounts out there and make some make some big money at one of the premier in the country and also, we need to give a shout out to Greg Holloway, another previous guest. Oh, yeah. He's on our Bet on Sunshine podcast. And he won the pick. He hit the pick five at Saratoga last Saturday. It was all luck. But uh, we won. <laughs> he had to get single. It was a yeah, $16,000 pot. And he got he got all that. Uh, Greg's a great handicapper. At least, at least that's what he told me. <laughs> yeah, congratulations to Greg. She mentioned Sarah Hamilton too. She's off to a really good start at Ellis. Sarah's won what two two races and then narrowly Daniel missed got, third. Yeah, Damon got third, and she brought she brought Edgemont Road back off a long layoff to win one tough as hell right. allowance race in just dead game fashion. So yeah, she's again, tough. you know, I know everybody. Get, I'm at that age where I just like seeing the good people do well. The good people do well, and it makes makes me happy, makes you happy, and then. They were kind of to come on our podcast and, you know, and tell us about themselves. And so when they succeed, we, we, we love seeing it. I'm sure we're forgetting other people too, but. I'm looking for one of those feel good stories where I like have all in the last leg of a pick five. 
that's the, that's the story I'm looking forward to. But not a chalk, chalk, chalk one. You want, you know, six to one, nine to one, 14 to one, yeah. five to one, and then have all, right? I'm so bad lately. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> it's coming. It's got to, I tell you what, with that in mind, the, the next couple of days, uh, Ellis has a couple of really strong cars. We got to, we, we've been a little bit hard on Ellis of late, but they, they are making a concerted effort. It's obvious they're making a concerted effort to pick their game up and, yeah, if you're going to criticize, if you're you're going, you got to have to, you got to do the flip side. And they're on the way up, and we appreciate it, and we can really see some progress there, right? Oh yeah, you can't complain about the uh, the product. I think the product is good when when it's not rained out. Tomorrow's card, Friday's card is really difficult. Now Saturday's card, I've got one in the last race. We'll talk about that one after our guest. I like it too. I'm, I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm going to play a pick four or pick five on a Saturday's card. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly excited about that. Yeah. Everybody goes on about Saratoga and stuff and don't get me wrong. I know it's, it's premier meat, but they, you know, people on Twitter do the same thing. Hey, this, this meat's starting to happen. Oh my God, let's, let's go crazy. This meat's starting. To, and then six races into it or two days into it, they're bitching and moaning and stuff. It's just, it's like a broken record, right? Uh, you know, there's other racetracks. Ellis's, Ellis's has, take a look at Ellis. They've got some, they got some good stuff going on. Well, they've got that $3 turf pick three. That's uh, pretty interesting. You don't have to play it every day, but play it when you have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. I have not played it yet. I haven't either. But, but they bring I, some races off. I think, uh, I think I'm going to play it on Saturday too. If I, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out, but uh, we'll plenty out. of time to work on that. But, uh, uh, are you ready to meet our guest? I certainly am, been looking forward to it. All right, uh, I hear Brandon. I think he's coming down the hallway right now, so uh, we'll uh, we'll add him in here, and uh, we'll splice in our guest uh, right now. Our guest this evening started his training career in 2017 as a fourth generation horseman. Training horses comes naturally for this Evansville, Indiana native. Prior to commencing his career as a trainer, our guest served as an assistant to the likes of Wesley Ward and Joe Sharp. Last fall at Keeneland, a milestone came early for our guest when he won the first greatest stakes of his career when Spooky Channel rallied to win the Sycamore Stakes at 12 furlongs on the grass. And now he's got a string of horses at Saratoga. Time moves quickly and it comes at you fast, but we're proud to have Jason Barkley on the ride with us tonight. Jason, how you doing? Good, good. How you guys doing? So, uh, Jason, let's start talking about Spooky Channel. Uh, I remember when you claimed this horse, I think it was maybe April or May of 2021. Was it last year maybe? Or, But I thought it was yeah. a good claim. Yeah. Tell us about the thought process that uh, led you to, to drop the claim on Spooky Channel. I wish I could take all of the credit on this one. Uh, it was actually on Derby Day. Oops. I think it was Derby. Undercard Day. Undercard Derby, maybe. Um, you know, earlier in the week, you know, we kind of, I had never claimed a horse for 80. It's not really a price range I ever shopped in prior to um, training for MBS. And, you know, I knew they were kind of getting on the, the claiming edge a little bit, but I didn't know, you know, kind of where they were. And they sent them to me and said, what do you think? And I said, well, let me do my work. So I start watching replays. And, and, you know, he's just an honest horse, tries pretty much every time. And, you know, some people, you know, are claiming they like to ask around, find out, you know, one thing or the other about a horse. Um, Especially in that price range, they might you know see who knows what before they go drop the claim. I've kind of always lived by you know get in there, claim them, and, and figure it out afterwards. Um, you know, because some, somebody's always gonna have something bad to say about a horse's in the bag. 
Um, so, you know, you don't want to be talked off of one just once you don't want to talk on the one. Um, you know, so we did our work and we looked at him and we won a four-way shake that day and uh, kind of, you know, just thought, you know, a mile and a half might be his distance. I, I thought he was actually sharper than a mile and eight. Um, you know, his kick was a little sharper than a mile and eight and he did win the Remington Green at a mile and eight. So it was nice to show that he has that range that in him there. Um, we didn't have, you know, I think first off the claim, we didn't have a great, great spot for him. Um, the wide stand because um, a mile and 16. And, you know, we ran him in that race and he got in a little trouble. Uh, had he had he gotten, could have hit the board, but he found some trouble on the rail uh, that day. Um, and then we ran back at the end of the meet. And I'm not sure I can't remember the name of the race, but anyways, Velasquez rode him. And, uh, yeah, Velasquez rode him and he... Uh, he pitched his stick on him. Uh, he hit him and he lost his stick. And I didn't even realize it during the race. He came back, he was mad at himself. So I like to give him a hard time about that. Just Shelby likes to give him more of a hard time about that. Um, you know, he thought he could have been third that day. But, um, you know, we were, you know, he still ran well. Uh, it wasn't a bad, bad race at all. We got beat by, I believe, Seth Heath won that race. Um, so then, you know, it was the wise Dan, the wise Dan stakes. Oh, that was the wise Dan. The race before it, I'm not sure. We ran as the Louisville was before that. The yeah, Louisville there, stakes. There yeah, yeah. There there. So anyway, we uh, you know got him ready and you know kind of got this plan together for Ellis, and then uh, maybe you know if he'd have won, gear him into the Kentucky Downs race, and uh, you know he'd get the free entry into the million dollar race if you win the Ellis Park race. Well, we ran second, just got nailed. Um, and he was kind of. Kind of hung a little bit that day. I mean, you could say. Um, so we actually changed the blinkers after that day and put a little smaller cup on him. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a group decision there just to make him a little more, let him see a little more so we kind of knew what was coming at him. And I think that might have been more of a blessing than anything because I wasn't really, didn't really force my hand into running in the million dollar race. Um, where, I mean, maybe he'd have been, you know, 20 to 1 or so. Uh, you know, we opted for the, the second option, which was. Remington race, and I believe we went off about five to two out there, and got the first stakes went out of the way. You know, we were kind of ready to try to wheel him back in the Keelan race, and uh, got lucky and uh, got the right trip. Uh, James took off of him that day and opted to ride uh, the horse from Mac Robertson, which had just won the Arlington Million, so it's hard to really knock him there. Uh, but Julian got a good tracking trip and uh, kicked out. And, uh, got the grade three knocked out, and um, oh, here we are trying to get back to that same grade three for next year. Yeah, so he's been off yeah. since that race at uh, at Keeneland, winning the Sycamore. And I understand he's working toward a return, and you're you're pointing to that race again. Yeah, um, you know, he's, he's been off since. Um, really, you know, he kind of he had his issue popped up at the end of the year. Been back now for about seven weeks, and we're just kind of gearing towards that. Hope you know, kind of got that sycamore. Currently, is uh, we'll just kind of see how it shakes uh, out getting to that point. Okay, so since then, now you've uh, at some point uh, this year you decided to to send a string of horses to Saratoga. Now let's talk about what led you to that decision, and and kind of maybe give us a, an idea of what uh, like the uh, uh, what goes into to making such a drastic move like that. You know, it's kind of one of those deals, you just kind of, you're always looking for different options, and, you know, I toyed around, you know, well, we'll ship up and run a few here and there, and then, 
you know, it's about time for stall ups. You do. And I said, well, you know, maybe I'll just put in for a handful of stalls and see if we want to try to take take a handful up there. Um, and he was kind of the big, the, you know, the one that was kind of the decision was made or on. And then we kind of filled them holes around him. Uh, two year old that I took up in the fourth opening day. You know, she could have run a Churchill at the end of the meet, but she wasn't really ready to go three quarters. And, uh, I really want to get a couple more breezes in her, which we did. And she ran up there and she showed herself just fine. Um, got beat by three horses that went faster than the stake. So, um, you know, excited about her. And, uh, yeah, that, you're uh, talking about uh, two minute drill. That's a daughter yeah. of Union Rags that you all bought at yeah. auction. I uh, gave, uh, looking here, $210,000 for she, You think maybe she's a, a two turn filly or a. Or a, a Maybe a one-turn mile. Yeah, I think she can stretch out. Um, you know, I'm I'm very much with most two-year-olds, um, kind of give them a race or two and kind of build up, you know, build to a point. So to see her, you know, run so well first time out was, was nice. Uh, kind of looking to run her back at one day. Churchill's running um, here in August. And then maybe you know point her to the September meet after that. She's um, very well, very well bred. Yeah. I, I remember her mother ran for uh, Doug O'Neill. I think maybe the yeah. uh, Paul Redham back in the day. Yeah, and she won first time out. Um, yeah, she won going six, and I think she won stake one mile. Jason, uh, you, you're a native of Evansville, so that obviously means that uh, Ellis Park is near and dear to your heart, just like it is to our hearts. Uh, how how important is the pea patch to you? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's always been a track that I, I really enjoyed, and, you know, I obviously grew up there. Um, I enjoy winning races there. Most of my family lives there. Um, so when I'm in, it's a get-together. We had my daughter's first birthday party at Ellis. It's starting to meet. Um, so, it's, you know, it's just kind of a big, big thing to have everybody out there and, and get to have a little success with everybody around. You know, I... I one of my goals has always been to be leading trainer at Ellis Park. Uh, don't really have the numbers to do it right now, so it's just kind of focusing on you know win races wherever we can win races. But um, you know, it's it's a it's a track that I thoroughly enjoy, and hopefully it can get on the right path or continue towards the right path. And um, all that racing is there. It's just uh, the product as a whole. It's almost there. It just all right, I'm gonna pass it around the horn. We'll go to Alan first, then the, then bring it back to me after uh, after you guys uh, are finished questioning our, our guest, Mr. Jason Barkley. As I remember, when you first started out as a trainer, uh, I remember you tell me if I'm right about this. There's at least one instance at Turfway, or maybe there's more, where you and your dad ran one two or two one that you would you actually made the exacta, right? Am I am I right about that? Yeah, yeah, it happened to Dallas. Uh, I know it happened to Dallas. Uh, my next couple times we were second and third. Uh, Churchill, we were first and second. I believe I, I do hold it. And I, and I owe the first one to Landry because he got stopped on the rail. Oh. <laughs> and, and now, did uh, now who, when you hit these exactos, who won? I can't remember. Did you win or did your dad uh, win? Me, yeah. I, I, I definitely hold the upper hand. And <laughs> who, 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 who holds? Um, your your girlfriend or fiance, I should say, number one, congratulations. You told us earlier you're getting married in uh I believe September. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. First marriage? Yes. Okay. And it's Shelby Kurtz. And for those who may not know, again, this is a Kentucky podcast. So 
our uh, memory of Kentucky racing is pretty good overall because we're old people. But I remember when Shelby uh, used to be a jockey around these parts, and she is uh, now she's more like your right hand man or woman, so to speak, in your stable, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. She rode races for a few years, and uh, you know she won some races. She actually has ridden two races for for me uh, when we first started dating, and uh, at Turfway, I had a horse that uh, nobody really wanted to ride. The owner bought him for a thousand dollars. He uh he had already run. He broke his maiden at Ellis for about ten, I believe, that summer, and uh, he was just you know out the back every time. And and she was wanting to ride some races that meet in Turfway, and she was galloping for me. And I said, "Well, you just want to ride." She really liked him. I said, "You just want to ride him?" She's like, well, "Sure, I'll ride you." She goes, oh, "Yeah, you ride him." So uh, you know, we're dating at the time, and she comes out. It was the last race opening night, maybe. I believe it was in November, so and uh, going long, so off the layoff, going long, off the layoff for her, not the horse. Hadn't ridden a race in a year. I said, Well, don't, I said, just don't drop the stick, don't <laughs> fall off. So leaving there, the horse kind of bobbles and she bobbles with him. Look, they stayed on, so we're doing all right. He's 25 to 1. I mean, I'm just something we get around there, you know. And uh, so they turn for home, he's making a little move, you know. And he's on the outside. She hits him. She hits him again. There goes a stick. I said, well, you didn't listen to either instruction. So she goes riding, and she wins by a hit. Owners are over the moon because they never thought the horse would do anything. You know, we're all happy. You know, we were, we started the meet off great. Um, so then I wheel him back two weeks later, going six and a half. And uh, so I said, well, just just don't use the stick. And uh, I said, they worked the first time. So they turn for home. I said, well, just hit him, you know, a couple times, get him going, and just put the wing on the hand ride. So she hits him on the shoulder a couple times, goes to ride, and he wins again. Damn. Uh, so, so he won twice uh, at the meet, and then we took him to Oakland, and he didn't do any good. I sent him back up to my dad. Long story short, uh, two years later, he'd kind of gone through the ranks, made his way to Penn National with some other trainers, and we kind of kept tabs on him. Well, I knew the trainer that ended up with him. So I said, well, if you ever want to get rid of him, let us know. And, uh, we ended up getting him back, paid for him or paid for the van ride or what. But uh, he's actually in a farm about 10 minutes from my house now. So he is retired, happy and healthy, and uh, just living it up out there. And that's probably her next stable for me. Yeah, I would say Shelby probably has uh, quite a fond memory of that. What's the horse's name? Uh, Arch, you ready? Arch, Arch, I remember that horse. I remember, I remember her yeah. winning on the horse. Yeah, so, yeah. That's awesome. And now she's got someone. I'm sure she's going to make a few trips out to the farm, right, to visit her buddy. Oh, yeah. We go out there about once a month. We've got that's the same farm as that we have is where we lay up uh, any injuries or horses any time off. Uh, and it's just right up the road. So we go out there and we check on everybody and him included. And uh, speaking of horse women, uh, we've had Chelsea Moisey on the podcast where we love Chelsea. She's fantastic. Um, big fans of Chelsea. You, you and her are pretty tight, too, right? Yeah, yeah, known each other for a pretty long time now. And, you know, she, yeah, we were both stable in Oakland, and and uh, you know she's doing her thing up on the East Coast, so I'm sure we'll catch up down in Oakland again this uh, this morning. Yeah, she was uh, she was wonderful on the pod, and also should mention is something. New. How old are you, Jason? I don't know off the top of my head. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Well, it's yeah. at your age, it's pretty impressive to be a member of the HBPA, the uh, the. Uh, Help me out. The Horsemen's Benevolent Protection Association, correct? Is that yeah. my guess? 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. how did you land? How did you land on that? And is there anything you guys are working on, or how do you feel about Hissa, or just talk a little bit about all that? Um. So I kind of you know got involved. So my grandpa he was big in the HVPA, and I was remember him going to the meetings and coming out angry, uh, more or less. <laughs> and uh, so you know I was kind of like, well, you know, I'd like to, uh, you know, kind of have a voice and be able to be you know, try to make some changes or have at least knowledge of what's going on. And um, so you know, I kind of just I'll just throw my name in the hat. And, you, know, you know enough people, and you have enough of a following, and people like you enough. They vote for you, and anyway, I got, I'm on the board, me, um, Tom Cassie and Bentley Combs, all kind of new additions and younger guys that got involved, and, um, you know, nothing against the guys that are there, um, but, you know, Rick, Rick Hiles, he's the president, he's just get, getting up in age, and, and, you know, we wanted to kind of, I don't, you know, you don't want the torch to be passed, because it has to be in there and kind of know how things work, and be able to learn from those guys before they, uh, decide they, they don't want to do it anymore because somebody's got to take over when they step mm-hmm. down and, uh, so we just kind of got in there and you know it's right now my main thing is um you know i'm staying with a track side here in Louisville, so i'd like to uh, you know, try to get some uh changes and upgrades over there is kind of where i've been focused lately and uh just trying to you know get in and fix what i can and uh it's kind of you know slowly but surely kind of and uh, how are you? How are you feeling about Hissa right now? I mean, uh, uh, are you taking as it comes along, or I mean, there's are you have concerns or? Um, I mean, it's one of those things that I think a lot of a lot of it gets blown out of proportion um, more than anything, and um, I think that's kind of one of the problems. But I I think you just kind of have to go along with it and do uh do your part and you know play by the rules and see how it all plays out because if you don't play by their rules then then they've got legs to stand on but if you do everything they ask you for and it doesn't work then that's on them so you know i I think there's a lot of hiccups i think they've rushed into what they're doing um and it's kind of they're finding the flaws as they go which isn't necessarily the way you should govern anything um, but that's just kind of kind of where we're at, and uh, you just kind of deal with it. And um, if you have questions, bombard them with their questions, and if they hopefully they have an answer for you. And if they don't, well, if you ask and they don't know, then it's, I don't know how you can really get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. That that's a good way of putting it. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of things about it going forward. I don't know how much it's affecting the backside just yet. I haven't heard any horror stories yet. Well, I've heard a couple. But, um, you know, I'm not as in the know as someone as much as yourself is and stuff. So, I mean, overall, are the horsemen tolerating it or they're just taking it as it comes along or what? I think for the most part, it's being tolerated. I think the biggest misconception that the government has made on it was that I think they looked at horse racing as the big entities like you know, CDI and you know the big racetracks in naira they looked at them and said okay these are big businesses but we're in actuality they're governing as small businesses um but they're doing it in a big business way and it's not really meshing because when you've got a guy with five horses who does everything himself and you tell him he's got to do all this extra stuff on the computer and he's been doing it his whatever right. way and he's exactly. seven years old you know he's 
probably not going to be too apt to jump in there and, and help you out. Um, so, you know, they, it's not so much that they don't want to change is that, you know, you're not coming to them like the mom and pops or you're coming to them like, uh, you know, their Walmart. And before I kick it over to Brandon or CC here, I want to ask you one last thing. Ellis Park, we talk about it all the time on here, and we 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 are a little critical, but it's, I, I really feel like they they they're beginning to write this ship right now. I'm 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 optimistic about that. Uh, going forward with Ellis Park, as someone who's young, who's going to be there a long time, and who's growing up around it, are you optimistic about Ellis going forward? Or are you pessimistic? Or are you on the fence? I mean, do you have a general uh, feel about how you feel their future is laying out? Um. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, good word. Good, good way to put it. I think the Owensboro um, parlor or whatever you should call that, you know, with the the uh, horse, uh, the machines, rather, historical horse racing machines. I think, you know, if, if those things get rolling and they get some more money that they can use, um, you know, they have to appropriate some of that money for improvements. They all can't just go to purses or their pockets or whatever um so they you know you got to do other things other than just throw it at the races um so ideally you know with that they'll um you know make make the needed changes and upgrades and and uh you know you'll get to see people sticking around for that meet but you know as of now i mean they've sold off their bigger days um you know july 4th labor day those are gone and 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 that's fine i mean if it's kind of like a not much different than a you know baseball team you know at the all-star break you know you rebuilding year um you know sell off your big pieces and as long as you plan to use those pieces to make make up for it in the future then that's that's acceptable and do you ever get any side bets going on the uh, wiener dog race or the ostrich races or camel I ne- races i never have i believe shelby's ridden some of those exotic animals before oh really but not that's not to her yeah yeah She's, she's pretty much game to try anything. <laughs> well, that's good. I hope she won. If she didn't win any of those races, I hope she didn't fall off because that was painful. <laughs> riding she, the she didn't fall off too often. That's good. I'll kick it over to Brandon or Cease, whoever wants to pick up the take up the yeah. tempo here. Thanks, Jason. Uh, you know, I just had a couple questions and I uh, wanted to make sure our listeners know kind of where all the tracks that you are right now and how many horses you manage and, and if you've got room to manage more. So, where, where can we find your horses racing at this summer? So mainly uh, Ellis and Saratoga are the two spots we're running at. Um, I did run one in the end of the day, um, but that's kind of a case-by-case scenario. Um, but I, I try to stay Kentucky-based, obviously, outside of Saratoga for this meet. Um, you know, we've got 25 in the barn right now. We've got a few babies still on the farm, and... Um, few horses ready to come back in so you know you probably say manage between 30 and 35 uh from any given time um you know and obviously it's it's nice to be able to bring some in and, and kick some out and let them get a breather catch their breath and uh, come back in fresh uh, we've done that with a few this year so far and uh, it's definitely seems to be paying off so um, you know just try to um, keep them keep them fresh keep them happy and uh but yeah, mainly mainly staying Kentucky, and then uh, you know, you know, obviously stretching out to Saratoga this year. Um, but then um, yeah, oh, there's always room to grow. Um, that's probably not what Shelby wants to hear. She's more of a quality <laughs> over quantity, and uh, I, I try my best to be. Um, 
but there are times where you know the right phone call comes you gotta just take them and figure it out right um so where do you where do you have layup barns at or do you own a, a farm that where they go for layups or do you uh have someone someone else that manages that so we don't we don't have a farm we have uh we work mainly with um a lady her name is Lori hendrickson she used to train um in kentucky louisiana i'm sure you I know remember. That. yeah so she owns a farm where Archie Ready is. Um, that's her farm, and she manages it, and she does all the layup work. So any uh, any issues or any horse that just need to go, uh, you know, two-year-old that might need to grow a little bit, um, we kick them out to her place. And and uh, she's pretty small in comparison. She does a lot of work herself. You know, has about usually has maybe 15 to 20 out there, and um, you know, very hands-on. So you know, they're in a you know they're in a good spot. I mean, that's why we had Spooky. When he got his break and uh, setting the, the wise, he got a little break out there. And then it's a two-year-old. Um, so, you know, we trust her with everything. Um, so send him out there and let her do her thing. And they usually come back fat and happy. And uh, that's what you want from Layup Farm. Yeah. Is that in Lexington or uh, where? So she's right here in uh, right here in Shelbyville. Um, okay. So she's uh, li- we live in Simpsonville. She's about 10 minutes up the road from us. Right there up Shelbyville Road, so um, pretty easy to get to, and uh, you know, not far from uh, Churchill. And if you need her to come get one and bring one in, it's uh, pretty handy. She had a caramel crush. We uh, we are in a brilliant partnership with oh, okay. Joe yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And she had caramel crush uh, for yeah, us. Yeah, caramel, caramel was out there. Yep, he's back in the barn. Back and happy. So yeah, I yeah, remember. Me. I remember Lori well. Yeah, yeah, Matt, Matt Shire, he knows most of what goes on in my bar, and I know most of what goes on his. He and I are pretty, pretty good buddies, so, um, you know, it's nice to uh, have that camaraderie. Cool. Well, that's uh, that's all I got, but we hope to see you. Uh, do you have any on the backside of Churchill right now? Uh, so, um, I'm at over at Trackside uh, in, in Derby City. I don't have anything at Churchill um, itself. My but my main stable it's over here at uh, at Trackside. Well, for the years that you've been training, is there anybody else that you'd like to recognize that's been a part of your team the whole time? Um, so you know, mainly you know, kind of when I went through my growing stage, the first couple of years, it was just kind of you know, I did a lot of the work myself, and then you you know you have a few people uh, right. that help out, and they they come and go and. Uh, but right now I've got a, a group of guys that are all, you know, really good. I've got three brothers that work together. You know, they all work there. And, you know, most of the people that work for me are all related. And, um, you know, it's it's been really nice. And we had uh, our uh, main groom. He kind of he's, – he's used to be a foreman. He's kind of stepped up and taken the reins while we've been at, uh, at Saratoga. Jose, he's been uh, very helpful and – you know, you can kind of trust him with everything, and it's nice nice to have that, um, those guys that step up and willing to take on more. Um, you know, a lot of barns don't probably don't have that. You know, they just have guys there that are there to work. So it's nice to, uh, nice to be able to grow and, uh, and know that everybody's just kind of there ready to pitch in and do, do their part as opposed to just do their job. You know, you know they want, everybody wants a little success. And uh, everybody's worked for me for us now. They've been there. Most of them have been there for over a year. Um, some are going on too, uh, which it's another thing you don't see much. A lot of guys tend to bounce around, so they must yeah. like us enough to stick around. So hmm. yeah, I'll take you're, it. You're showing that growth spurt, it seems like too. So uh, good luck to you in the future for sure. Thank you.
All right, so let's get down to brass tacks. I've got two important questions for you, Jason. All right. Uh, most, uh, many of our listeners may not know Henderson very well, but of course Ellis Park is north of the Ohio River. Then right. you cross over the Ohio River, and if you're go- heading into Henderson on the right, you, you take a, a back road kind of right next to the river, and there's a, there's an old racetrack there called Riverside Downs. Yeah. <laughs> and Let's just set the record straight right now. Can you confirm or deny that Riverside Downs is haunted? <laughs> I, I can't confirm it, um, but I, I have spent a lot of time there uh, when it was a training center. Uh, we used to train there in the winter. Um, so I've, I've never had anything. I will say when I was younger, I didn't like to go to those barns when they were dark. Um, but that can be said. I don't like to go to a lot of places when they're dark. So uh, hard, hard is, to say. Is that place still operational? The the, the uh, no, I, I believe it. Last two years, it's not. I think they finally tore it all down, and uh, it's no longer operational. I believe. Okay. Well, I haven't been there in several years, but the, I mean, the last time I was there, the remember the mystery machine from Scooby Doo? Yeah. That, it was it was parked. It was parked there, and I just got this really <laughs> creepy feeling. I left. Left. Yeah, it, that I I think that place is haunted. Maybe they were looking for you. It well, it's possible. It's possible. But the, the second question, I've been going to Ellis Park forever. It feels like one of my issues with Henderson and Evansville. I've never found a go-to restaurant, like a a, a spot that you can go hang out and where it's, where the food is good and and it's not too it's not too uh, sassy or or you know, it's just it's just a nice hangout that you can go and, and have an adult beverage and, and a good meal. It is what's what is down there that I could try this time around? Like a good meal or just like a, a bar food meal? A good bar, meal. Bar well, food. I want. Well, do, do both. Yeah, you, you kind of gotta go a little. If you go a little towards Newburgh, which is a little bit out of the way, I will say, um, there's a place called the Hornet's Nest. And it's it's a good spot for like a bar, you know, bar food, nice, you know, just kind of chill place. Now, as far as a good restaurant to go to, I don't know because I can't answer that question either. <laughs> um, I guess I mean they did build. Now this isn't like I mean, they did build a Drake's in Evansville, so you can go to Drake's. No, I don't want Drake's. But I like I want Drake's. something unique. I can't help you there. I may try Catfish Willie's this time around. I don't know that I've ever been there. It's it's new. I think it's fairly new. It's over there. On I mean, my big thing is like I grew up. I left Evansville pretty much when I like when I graduated high school, and I didn't really go back for a long time until I went on my own. And then when I was back, I worked so much I didn't really do anything else. So I don't really know a whole lot about where to go and where not to go. Yeah. Um, downtown, I mean, downtown's always sounds like it's okay. I mean, I've been to a few places down there, but I can't remember the names of them. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, hey, meet me here, and then that's where we ended up. Yeah, you, sounds like you have the same problem I do. So. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big, I'm not much help there. Right, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep searching. But All right. In the meantime, uh, Jason, uh, you've come a long way in a short time, it seems like. Uh, you know, like notching your first grade of sex victory. With Spooky Channel at such a young age, that's a that's a big accomplishment. Uh, uh, Jason, we thank you for coming on this evening, and and 
we wish you the best and uh, we always follow your horses uh yes we uh, do yeah we we definitely we're going to keep an eye on uh on your good two-year-old filly and and, and uh, some of these other setting of the wise and and many many more so uh, we wish you the best of luck going forward jason thanks guys i appreciate it all right all right that was the up-and-coming jason barkley on the kentucky circuit you know we're, we're very 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 familiar we see jason at the track every once in a while and a, a good person and you know I, I got a feeling of course he knows his way around a horse mm-hmm. so yeah as long as you as long as they keep feeding him horses he's going to keep feeding us winners and he's only 33 man he's only 33 and he's he's got what, what do you say 30 35 horses that's impressive and and with each passing year it seems like the price tags going up going up so i mean Keep your eyes on Mr. Jason Barkley. All right. So uh, Saturday is a non-race card. We're not going to go over the card, but we've got a couple horses we're interested in. I want to talk about another race. Uh, I think you're interested in race three. Is that correct? Uh, Again, we don't do this very often because there's a lot of podcasts out there that just go pick five this, pick five that, blah, 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 blah. We, We know, I mean, we, we try to be a little bit different, but of course, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't every once in a while talk about a couple of races, correct? Um, yeah, CC and I both talked. We think the next couple of cards else are very good. Uh, we haven't poured over them yet or whatever, but a couple of things jumped out. And uh, I, you said race three for myself. Do I like a horse in there per se? Not necessarily, but I just look at the, the composite of the field. And I see that Todd Pletcher has a horse in there at four to five named Beside Herself. I think this is a prime example where you just bet against a favorite because this horse probably will take money. Uh, if he wins, he wins. Who cares? Take your shot in here because the horse is four to five. The horse is not that good. Uh, ran a distant third in the stakes race to Walkathon. And uh, McCulloch, the horse can get bet off of that. But it was a distant third. It was not a good effort. Did wire field at Keeneland. I was surprised when he wired that field at Keeneland. She wired that field at Keeneland. Can the horse win? Of course this horse can win. Every horse in that race can win that race. To, to, to sit there and single this horse in a race where everyone can theoretically win is insanity to me. Uh, most notably for me, I mean, you got Zawish in here. For Helen Pitts, who's completely overperforms. You have Valentina Day, who was really good at Turfway for Colebrook surprisingly for uh, Shug McGahee and Vincent Shum, the Frenchman Vincent Shemino who's really starting to uh, get his game together. I would distinctly watch out for Sh- uh, Shemino going forward. And then roughly a diamond just ran second against Colts at Keeneland. Uh, that that race goes way beyond uh, the Todd Pletcher four to five horse who's going to get bet on name and class alone. To me, you play a, if you're going to play a multi-race rager, pick somebody else besides that one, leave him out. And, uh, Take, take a shot. So do I have one in there that I like? Not necessarily, but I would play the sequence because I don't like that heavy favor. All right. Sounds intriguing. That, I, I I think I agree with you. I mean, that that, that Pletcher Philly is going to be one to five, I think. She'll be two to five, something like and there's, that. And there's too many competitors in the race to, to accept that, right? So I, I mentioned roughly Diamond a moment ago. This is a horse that did not run that well in stakes company, but they're a grade three stakes company against – a couple of Chad Brown horses, uh, and then comes back to run against second against Colts at Keeneland. I mean, in a, in a full field. Was it a great field? No, but that's beside the point. Valentina Day, I'm very familiar with this horse from Turfway. This horse was was really good at Turfway, and I believe Ben Colbrook brought one back off the pent of bench last week, a Turfway lover, 
in uh, and I, obviously I forget the name, uh, but the one Mikhail Michelle won off, one on like got her first win here. So he's he may be he may be prepping for some bigger stuff down the road these horses. So there's no way there's no way I would single Todd Fletcher in that. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. Yeah, if 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 there's a Todd Fletcher Michael Tabor horse running at Ellis Park when Saratoga is running, there is no way in the world that they like her. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- this horse was, I think, went off at a, a small third choice last time in that stakes race at Church of the Walkathon and McCulloch were in. I mean, this horse just faded badly, and there was somebody had to run third. She did. So her the past performance can look better than the, the horse is and the odds are going to be. So just take a shot against it, whatever. And if the horse went by six, I'm not going to have egg on my face because I don't give a damn. It, you just bet against a horse like this. And if it wins, it wins, and you move on. All right, let's talk about race seven. I, I don't really have a selection in this race. I just want to talk about it and, and pick your brain. Uh, race seven is five and a half furlongs on the turf. It's a optional claimer. You can enter your horse for forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars if your horse doesn't meet the criteria. Uh, you know, non-winners of two, non-winners of seventy-five hundred twice, other than maiden claimer or starter. Number two, Bad Beat Brian is going to be again a heavy favorite, three to five, four to five. This is a this is one of the uh, parts of handicapping I struggle with. Bad Beat Brian, back in the old days, you you just put a ring around this horse, then you go on to the next leg. Now you've got so many options, and this horse comes off a really nice effort. He's beaten by thanks, Mister Edson Eidson who went wire to wire at Churchill on May 30th, ran a big number, ran a big number that day. Big speed, just couldn't get by the winner. He's been off since May 30th now. I mean, this horse could could run at Saratoga. He could run anywhere. He could, I don't know if Maker took any horses to Del Mar, but this is a horse that could go to Del Mar. But he shows up here for a $40,000 tag off that big effort, and he doesn't face a whole lot. What do you do? Do you do you single him? Do you spread? Do you maybe you spread and then play him a little bit more? This is a conundrum to me. I don't I don't know what to do with horses like this. And I hate this because it's in a sequence that I want to play. Uh, well, I tell you earlier, I mentioned if I were playing the early pick four, pick five, whatever, or they early pick five, I can't even remember. I, I said I would toss the Todd Pletcher horse altogether, and if he beats me, he beats me. I just don't care. You have got to be, uh, you've got to accept the fact that you can lose. You got to be okay with losing when you feel like you make a good when you make a good ticket. I was comfortable with that one because I thought we're, that I was comfortable doing that, or I am going to be comfortable doing that because there's several nerds I think can win. And this one, with with the, the specter that you bring up, I'm not as comfortable that this one's not going to run well. This one very well may, may run well, although the horse does not like to win and did get sucked in second behind a behind a long leader last time. So. The claiming tag is an issue. I don't think there's many horses that can beat him in this race. This is an optional 40,000 race. I think the the horses in here are not quite as indicative of that level as they should be. That said, I do think there are a couple alternatives to this horse. And if you have a question with Bad Beat Ryan, and I understand that, then I would look to uh, City Drifter, or Jose Lopez and Chris Davis. I think this horse is underrated. I think that's one of the ones that can win. I think CM Riep, I know he's eight years old. He's coming off a layoff, but... Uh, he has fired fired big off the left before and has made a note uh, running big on the grass here in Kentucky. If he's if he's ready to go off eight years old, he could definitely win the race. I mean, I, those are the two I would look to as an alternative. 
anytime you're going to use a favorite, if you're going to try to beat a favorite, if you have questions about him, and, but you still want to use him, I would not go too deep with that horse. I would not take that horse and then six other horses, right? If, I, if I'm going to, if I feel like I need to use the horse, I'm only going to use one or two other ones as an alternative. So those would be the two I would use as an alternative if you're too scared to leave them out. That's just me. Yeah, I'm looking at, he. they did run him for a tag in that optional claimer. He did go for 62.5. But that, that was such a big effort. I mean, this horse could run probably at Saratoga for 50. And they could get rid of him, and he could, you know, if he's if he's good, he could win. He's probably cut ball Saratoga. In fairness, he's consistent, but he doesn't win. He's, he's made his his he run the that uh, the Florida Stallion, uh, Florida bred stakes they run down there. That's one of his claims to fame. But um, I mean, it's maker, so it's it's always a little bit. The trainer intent always comes into these things, right? And uh, maker may just say, okay, I'm happy taking forty thousand in the purse, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it could be a business decision for all we know. I mean, yeah. if he gets claimed for forty and gets sixty percent of sixty-two thousand, that's thirty-six thousand. They've made seventy-six thousand, and they claimed him for forty last J- July at Del Mar. So you know, that's I don't know, I. He'll be two to five, three to five. There's no value there. It's just that it's, I, I hate these I, situations. I would keep an on City Drifter and CM Reup. That said, you know, people say, well, should you include the favorite in this sequence? Should you not? You know, people have a t- hard time understanding. Every sequence is different, right? So it depends on what are you going to do in the other legs. It depends on how you're going to use it. If you like the whole thing about using defensively, I completely get that. Now, if there's somebody you like, like I know you like a horse in the last race, right? And you may be a price horse that could be a single. In that case, if I only felt there was a couple in there, I would probably use this horse if I was trying to get a lot of that single. Uh, if I was going with some shorter prices elsewhere, I may not include them or whatever. But since I only like a couple, only a couple in there that I think can win to begin with, I might be inclined to use them as well. So I would go three deep. Well, if I can get through this seventh race, I will get to the finale because I think I'm probably going to use all of them in race eight. That race is uh, ripe for an upset, I think. But I just – I don't even know who's, who the favorite's going to be. But, you know, so I'm going to have most of them. Okay. And then going to race nine, what's to do? Eight to one on the morning line. I think that's a horrible morning line. I think the horse – if she's live, she'll go off two to one, five to two maybe. Uh, yes and no. I think the horse probably will go off a little bit of a price, not eight to one. I'm like you. I like the horse. I think there's one or two others in there that I, intrigue me as well. But uh, you can talk about why you like the horse first, because I know I, I would definitely lean to this one. Well, I mean, let's just start at the very beginning. April 22nd at Keeneland. Paul McGee debuts her in a maiden special weight. Uh, she runs ninth, beating 10 lengths. She has trouble in the race. Paul McGee never, ever, rarely, ever wins first time out. He always brings them along slowly. She comes back May 15th, uh, made special weight. Breaks from post 11, which is not a good post, going a mile. And uh, she she runs professionally, I think. Uh, they come around the far turn. This is, well, excuse me, let's, let's back up. They, they yes. Running into the first turn, all the jockeys are four or five wide. Yes. Went into the first turn. It's the strangest thing you've ever seen. The turf and course was messed up, and we didn't know it that day, but the jockeys we didn't know were instructed it. We, to go wide. We did not know it at the time, but the turf course was messed up. And they come off the turn into the stretch, and they're, they're fanned out nine across the track. Uh, Rafael Bayerano, who was riding What's to Do, 
decided to cut the corner and come up the rail. Not not up the rail, probably in the three path, the four path, while others I mean, were in the. Felt like it felt like the rail that day, right? It yeah, it might as well have been the rail. rail. I think there was there was another horse inside that that really cut up the rail. But we learned later in the meet that uh, the, the the way to win on the Churchill Turf course was to rally wide, and uh, this filly was doing the opposite, and she still ran well. The winner come from from behind and 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 won the race probably in the seven path six path something like that and she ran a good third in just her second start and she i'm sure hang. they won. she did she hang did she day. didn't hang she hung a little bit but it's her second start and and then she may have been on the dead part of the track because those jockeys were instructed as we found out on that card in particular those jockeys were instructed to stay off the inside we we hey, now know, gave it a shot we know that we know yeah. we now know that they were instructed that day to go wide and, and Raphael rolled the dice and it almost worked. It but, almost worked. But she was not on the right part of the, of the course. So uh, a few weeks later, Churchill decides to no more turf racing. So McGee's hung out to dry. He's got to get a race into her. June 30th, they run her on the dirt, mile and 16th. And she's got, she gets her blown door, her doors blown off by silver leaf beating 12 links. Uh, I don't think, I think we can gather from that. She's not a dirt filly. Uh, she's got a half or maybe a full, it's either half, I believe it's a half, half brother, half. big, beautiful wall, who, who was a nice turf performer. And this horse comes into this race off a July 16th bullet workout, 47 seconds flat first out of 91. I think this horse is sitting on a big race. Mm-hmm. I think that you can look at some of the other fillies in here and they're going to look halfway decent on paper and you want to give them a chance that I'm not falling for that trick ever again. These fillies are bad. These maiden special weight fillies are always bad in Kentucky, for the most part. For the most part, you are. There correct. is there is one in here that I was that I was going to single Shady Road until I started digging in on what's to do. Shady Road is the second time Rusty Arnold, uh, daughter of Curlin out of Broken Dreams, who was a stakes winner for Glen Hill Farm. I went back and watched her race, uh, her debut, and I you know I wasn't all that impressed. I mean, she just looked like she was going through the motions. I I think uh, for me it all comes down to what's to do in the nightcap. I echo everything you said. You I, I he, Cece and I talked about this prior to the race. If I'm going to single in that race, that's the one I single. As you mentioned, big beautiful wall. He's a half to big beautiful wall, and that horse uh, won a few races on turf. I think he won a couple races on the turf at Ellis, if I'm not mistaken. Did his best racing at Ellis for Paul McGee. And that race, the dirt race that he's coming out of, you just have to figure that, hey, we have nowhere else to run because the turf course is closed. We need to go race in this horse. And we'll use this as I don't know, maybe a prep maybe to take our shot at Ellis when we do know we have turf racing. The weather's supposed to be nice. They should be able to run. And so I'm with you. If I single that one, if I single the race, that's my single. You mentioned the other one that I would highly be interested in, and that would be uh, Shady Road because it's Rusty Arnold. For Glen Hill Farm, who Tom Proctor was uh, the main guy for for years, they breed a lot of turf horses, right? And uh, the first effort was pretty good. I don't think the, I don't think the field was that tough, but this horse is a half to Caribou Club, who won almost a million dollars, a lot of it on the turf for Proctor and Glen Hill. So that alone scares me. If I went three deep, I would look to the the outside with English Treasure for Tom Drury. Because in the last, she's coming out of a weak race, I thought. 
but I thought the horse would be on the lead, made her a threat, and that horse just got completely sawed off. You can just completely toss that last race for English Treasure. Got a bad got a bad draw today. I don't like as much as I like the two that we already mentioned, but because the horse got so screwed last time, just got a horrific trip, you might want to consider that one. But I'm with you on uh, Paul McGee's horse in that one. Uh, eight to one, I don't know. Three or four to one is possible. But, you know, with, with the way the rest of the sequence uh, – Pans out, it'd probably be a solid single. Shady Road is the second time for Arnold, second time out. Uh, Rusty's got a positive ROI with that move, 23%, according to what I'm looking at here. Mm-hmm. But uh, my concern, Martin Garcia rode the Philly first time out. Why isn't Hernandez on? Hernandez is on uh, English track. Right for jury. Right for Hernandez jury. knows. He's ridden that horse twice. And again, Hernandez will probably tell you. Uh, the horse got completely eliminated last time at the start. So again, I think, again, this, you know, I'm, I'm not big on the grid thing because there's different levels. A, B, and C are just too limited to me. I, I look at things as A minus and B plus or B. This horse would be a B for me. I mean, if you wanted to have a third option, he'd be my third option. I don't blame Brian for taking that one. All right. That's all I've got. That's all I always oh, should mention too. Ellis is starting at 11. Is it 1130 Eastern time? The next yeah, it's starting. Gosh, that's yeah. It's starting early. So uh, if you're going, get out there early. It, it probably would have be done by four o'clock. God, I think I, it, yeah, something like that. Three thirty four, something like yeah. that. I was going to go this weekend, but just things that work out, but we're going to get up there soon. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm running out of time though. We got running a, out of time. only got a month after this. So. Maybe we'll look into it next week, perhaps. Maybe we should look into that. Can't go Arlington Million weekend because it'll be closed that day. That's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, yeah, running out of time. Everybody's going to talk about Saratoga. They're going to Saratoga, Saratoga Del Mar to death. We Ellis this podcast a little bit. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, if they do their job, if they put up the races that we like and we feel they're making progress and their website has made progress and their social media team's doing a fantastic job, hey, man, we're all for you. We, We got your back. Yeah, uh, they it's a hidden gem in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all I've got uh, for episode 114. We thank our guest Jason Barkley. We thank Brandon Jaggers as always for shining his lovely light upon us, and of course, all of you listeners at home. On behalf of Alan Schneider, this is CC Broadus signing off and reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.